Hello, and welcome to Beyond Prospecting, the APRA podcast, featuring thought-provoking conversations with prospect development and fundraising experts. We hope you enjoy today's episode. Hello, and welcome to the latest APRA podcast. I'm Sarah Clough, consultant with Martin Lundy, and APRA plug-in to campaign speaker. Joining me today are leaders in our industry who are all part of APRA's virtual learning event, Plug Into Campaigns, which will take place on November 5th and 6th. This event is perfect for professionals of all levels to hone their campaign skills. Take this chance to gather your teams or just yourself for two half days of interactive education and networking at an affordable rate. Visit the events page at apprahome.org for more information and to check out the session descriptions to discover what you'll learn and see industry experts who will be sharing their knowledge. I'd especially like to thank BlackBod for being the exclusive sponsor of this podcast. BlackBod provides data-driven solutions for every stage of the donor life cycle. They have decades of experience helping nonprofit organizations enhance their constituent databases, identify and understand their best prospects, assess program performance, and optimize fundraising efficiency. BlackBod has been a proud sponsor of APRA for over a decade, and we would like to thank them for their continued support. I'd like to welcome Stacey Rooney, business consultant and principal for BlackBod, who is joining us today as one of our panelists. Our other panelists include plug into campaign speaker Samantha Frost, Senior Director of Alumni Experiences at The Ohio State University, and Becky Fulmer, Assistant Vice President of Development and Campaign Director at the University of Cincinnati Foundation. So now as we dig in and get started, I'm going to have Stacey kick us off here. You know, as we think about the campaign model, especially in this ever-changing environment, I'm wondering, Stacey, do you feel that the campaign model as we know it right now is still effective? And what does the campaign model of the future look like? Thanks, Sarah. I'm really happy to be here with such a smart group of leaders and thought leaders. Big question, is the campaign model still effective? I think now that I've been in fundraising for almost 20 years, I feel like there's so much about the campaign model that falls into the category of we do it because it's the way we've always done it and that we as an industry may have fallen into a bit of a rut on just putting one foot in front of the other without fully thinking through where are we going and what is the point underneath this. So I would argue that even before the pandemic, which kind of disrupted us without planning on it, that campaigns were ready for disruption and that we maybe need to deconstruct a bit and really think through those fundamentals to rebuild a campaign of the future, which, you know, this might show my bias as an employee of BlackBod, but I would say data-driven, strategic direction using the data that we have at our fingertips more now as an industry than we ever have historically really presents an opportunity for us to rethink all of our basic fundamentals of a campaign. Absolutely. All right. And as we think about how campaigns are evolving, as we involve data more, and as we kind of rethink how we've done campaigns before, and as we move into the future, Becky, I'm wondering if you can shed some light on, you know, as we think about what is the true goal of a campaign, how would you describe that? And how do you think we can best measure campaign success? That is such an excellent question, and I think builds perfectly off of what Stacy was saying and the question about where are we going. 
It's such a germane question, I think, when you're considering a campaign. And one of the things that we've been talking a lot about at, at the University of Cincinnati is what do we want to look different at this institution five years from now? Knowing that in a big public institution that's been around for a couple hundred years, like UC has, five years is a fairly short amount of time. But I think asking a question like that, where is the institution going? naturally draws you to success measures that are more impact focused. And I think historically, when we think about the model of a campaign that has been around for years and years and years, success gets distilled down into a single number, which is how much money did you raise? And, and, and I think there's a really good question to ask. Is that the most important question that we should be asking ourselves? Is that the way that we are defining our success, or at least the only way that we are defining our success? So I am thinking more and more about campaign goals and measures as very layered and nuanced. So if you're thinking about the institutional goals, Philanthropy should be a force that helps move an institution or programs within it from good to great or from great to excellent. So if you're going through a really comprehensive priority setting process, you should be able to really identify those areas of the institution that have that kind of capacity and set impact goals around that. Again, framed around the question of what is going to look different five years from now or 10 years from now when this campaign is over than it does today. And make sure that you're weaving elements of that impact into the way you talk about the success of your campaign is one thing. Secondly, though, I, I do think there are some really true like business objectives, um, you know, that an organization uh, in terms of the way that it operates uh, looks at in terms of a campaign. So again, I think there's good questions about what is important for the long-term viability of your institution and where do you need to focus? over the next few years. So if that's kind of maximizing long-term relationships and really kind of growing your pipeline and, and the relationships of the future, you might be building in engagement-focused goals. If you have uh, an organization where you really do need to uh, dramatically increase your fundraising uh, performance, then you might be looking at, uh, you know, goals related to um, increasing kind of major gift uh, growth in, in your pipeline and things like that. Um, so I think there are many, many ways. You could also talk about kind of within your organization how you operate. So are there collaboration goals? Are there things like that that you need to be thinking about as well? So I think there are uh, there is a call certainly to organizations to think beyond just the dollar goal. And from the beginning, uh, when you're framing your campaign, start to weave in some of those things into how you talk about your success from the beginning, I think is really, really important. And this is Stacy. I just really love everything you said there, Becky, and wanted to reiterate. I think you're right that part of adding to what I had started in terms of do we need to um, rethink the campaign model, I think part of what I'm hearing you say is also aligned with that in that sometimes when, if we're just focused on the end dollar goal, then it's monies for money's sake. And that that can lend itself to the gimmicky gamification kind of like, let's just do everything we can to make sure that we can sleep well at night saying we more or less hit that goal. But if it isn't truly aligned with that impact on the organization, and I know, I mean, this sounds so basic, but I think it is just taking a half step to the left and making sure that we're fully planted in the impact and that we don't get kind of the, the magnetic pull of the dollar amount and hitting that end and seeing the thermometer go up, that that 
isn't exactly where we anchor ourselves. We should have our feet fully planted and anchored in that impact. And yes, money will. The reason we're all in fundraising is because we know that money helps make that impact happen, but it's such a powerful magnet to unintentionally we get sucked into thinking it's just about the money sometimes without remembering what what we're anchored in. Yeah, I would, I would absolutely um, second that. And I think it's also um, important to recognize that, you know, why you want to kind of align your fundraising priorities with your institutional priorities is because in the institutional priorities, you also have the, you know, your institution is making investments uh, in that area as well. So it's almost like a philanthropy comes and amplifies uh, the impact of what can happen or makes it happen faster or makes you be able to build it bigger than you otherwise would. Um, instead of, you know, I think there's sometimes it's easy to fall in the trap if you're only focused on the dollars of kind of the fundraising equivalent of the bridge to nowhere. So you get this big gift in and it does this thing, but it's not really um, tied to a, a strategic priority of the organization. Are you going to be, um, you, you know, is that the highest and best use of philanthropy at your institution? So, you know, I think, I, but I, I would also say in terms of when you're thinking about the success of your campaign, making sure that you're uh, connected to the interests and the passions of your donor base as well. So it's, a, it's always that process of matching what's important to the institution, what is important to our donors, and finding that, that kind of magic space uh, in the middle. Absolutely. As we talk about how campaigns are changing, I think we also have to acknowledge how our world is ever changing. Um, every day seems a little bit different lately. Um, this pandemic is requiring all of us to think differently about our work. Um, Sam, I'd like to ask you, you know, what do you think are the biggest challenges that fundraising campaigns are facing right now? And what are some of the biggest lessons that we're learning? Yeah, hi. So I think as we've heard some words out there in this conversation, impact and interest and passion, right? Many of the ways that we have traditionally hit our donors and constituents there is really through our experiences, right? And through our, our engagement opportunities, bringing them back to our campuses or our institutions, introducing them to our students or our faculty or our staff. Uh, that has become a very different game since COVID-19 hit, right? And so my uh, responsibilities at Ohio State are to work with our engagement and events experts in trying to think about how you take the emotion and the impact and the, the feelings that you get from these experiences and you turn those into this virtual space. Uh, and I've said all along, big props to APRA for doing this well for years now uh, because uh, the most of us that are in this space are really just uh, learning rapidly over the last six months and what we've been learning is how important intentionality really is and how important collaboration with our partners really is. Because uh, long before COVID-19, I've always said as an event person, you shouldn't be throwing an event for event's sakes, right? You shouldn't just be getting people in a room, uh, feeding them a nice meal and uh, filling them full of great emotions and then sending them on your way if you don't know, first of all, who you wanted to have in the room and then what you plan to do uh, to help pull them along afterwards. And so now more than ever, it feels uh, we have to be really, really intentional about the content that we're putting out, um, the relationships that we're making, the way we're connecting people with one another. Um, and it is just more difficult. Uh, at our alma mater, uh, we, uh, you know, usually at end every event, standing in a room, putting our arms around each other and sort of singing a song and everyone walks away wiping a tear, a little more difficult to do that in a screen setting. So uh, my team at Ohio State has been having a lot of fun playing with how do you replicate that now? Um, I know our fundraisers are 
thinking about how do I take someone to dinner, right, in this space now, um, and then what are really the conversations I need to be having before and afterwards um, to help really cultivate those relationships um, in this completely different space. So yeah, I think uh, we are learning, most importantly, um, that it's important to, to be innovative, that it's important to just not turn everything that we would have done virtual, because that's not, it's not working, right? Like, so an award ceremony that you used to sit in a room with 300 other people and sort of shed tears as you watch stories doesn't feel the same anymore. So how do you present that content? How do you deal with the fact that people have real Zoom and screen fatigue, right? <laughs> and that this isn't, uh, also noting that people are managing things at home differently uh, than they may have previously. Priorities have changed for everyone. Uh, how do you personalize the experience so that you're acknowledging all of the things that people are feeling right now um, and connecting them appropriately? So, yeah, it's been it's been an interesting challenge. I'll just add that you know, Sam, as you're talking about relationships and how key they are, I think that's one of the things that I've really seen, you know, in working with um, clients is that just that you really know now how strong your relationships are or maybe are not with some of your constituents um, and just seeing how those relationships have been able to transfer over in the virtual environment um, and maybe acknowledging some ways that you can better engage different constituencies. So I think it's, it's really drawing a lot of, out a lot of those really important questions that we need to ask ourselves. Becky, do you have something to add? Uh, yeah, I was just going to uh, jump in and say, you know, one of the things that we're uh, thinking a lot about is, and, and Sam, I think I heard you uh, say this in an earlier conversation, is how do you cut through the noise? Um, you know, because I think one of the things that uh, we probably all experienced at the beginning of um, the, the COVID pandemic was all of a sudden there were this, this avalanche of emails uh, from organizations that you had any tie to whatsoever in, you know, a very long period of time and said, hey, it's a pandemic, we're thinking about you, we hope you're okay, and that was really nice, but I feel like what we're um, experiencing a little bit of is all of a sudden everything uh, has turned virtual, and so, um, you know, we have even more information coming at us all of the time um, and everybody's got all of these engagement opportunities. I don't know about you all, but even just the sheer volume of kind of professional development opportunities that are out there that are virtual I and mean, just constantly coming at you. So how is it um, in the face of just a very high volume uh, of information coming at us digitally? How are we cutting through that one? And then once we have people's attention, uh, how are we really advancing uh, intentional, I love that word, uh, relationships with people and engaging them in really kind of authentic ways mm -hmm. um, and building those, those deep connections that will kind of last and extend beyond the screen? I think those are really important questions. One of the fun things for us at Ohio State, this is Sam again, is that uh, you know, I've been really pushing sort of be strategic about your experiences for years and years. Uh, use your data, right? We're getting better data right now than we've got, we've really ever had from our in-person experiences. I can see exactly where someone's clicking around after they come to one of my events. I can see how long they stayed on an experience and sort of how they reacted afterwards. And so to your point, Becky, the personalization that I can then apply if I'm using the data appropriately uh, is better really than I ever was able to do this prior to this space, but I, I have to take the steps to do it. And what that means for our folks who are planning experiences 
is you have to resist the doing all the things, right? So you have to resist your desire to push out a new webinar or new, you know, whatever it is every single day because in order to do it well, you need time. You need time to make sure you're getting the right people in the room. Uh, I tell people all the time, I don't want to see anyone's sort of goal for an experience to be quote unquote engage Buckeyes. Like that's not enough. You have to tell me exactly which Buckeyes are you trying to engage and around what and for what purpose, right? Um, so I think that's really the fun of this is again, these aren't new issues. This is something we've been dealing with for a long time, but we have better tools at our disposal and it's forcing more conversation with colleagues across the institution. I think to say, hey marketing, I need your help in getting the right people there. New prospect development, I need your help in then looking at this audience and trying to figure out sort of the right next steps for each of them. And I need development officers to help me by, you know, letting me know whether this was successful for them or not. So it really is sort of bringing the full advancement model to work in a, in a new and much better way than I've ever seen it operate. I'll just jump in again. This is Stacy. Um, some of this conversation is making me think about one of the other hats I wear is around change management consulting. And boy, 2020 has been all about change. But really, one of the core tenets of that is focusing on the why before the how. And I think that's, again, part of what we're getting at with that intentionality and authentic that, again, back to my very first comment about campaigns that we can so often get caught in the rut of just putting one foot in front of the other without, like, wait, why am I walking in this direction? And so I think the pandemic, I see it as an opportunity that it really does call into question about, wait, why do we always do that gala in the summer? What are we trying to accomplish? Let's make sure we're anchored in that. And then how could we do that virtually? And is that something that is worth trying to replicate among the millions of things we could be doing? So I feel like one of the nuggets is if you just put like in front of your desk a post-it note of, you know, some, it might sound cynical, but they're like, why am I doing this? Because really like, wait, why am I doing this as the anchor before you take really any action, whether it's related to campaigns or, or any sort of engagement? The biggest lesson I've learned out of the two major campaign events that I've done at Ohio State, so the campaign uh, close of our last one and launch of the current one, uh, in both instances, we really focused on what do you want people to feel, right? So back to the impact, back to the sort of what's the point of what we're doing here? What do I want people to feel? And I think that's really true about sort of everything that you do right now. If you start with what you want people to feel, you sort of back into it um, a little bit differently. And, uh, and to your point, Stacey, I think that's, it's often um, what changes people's minds when they, when they come to me and say, hey, I, I've got an award ceremony that I need to do in September. If I say, okay, what do you want people to feel? Suddenly it becomes, well, maybe it doesn't need to be an event. Maybe it should be a Spark page or maybe it should be a, you know, a letter that we send. So it's been fun to actually sort of put those conversations to use. Well, I think one thing that this conversation kind of highlights is it's, it's so fun and energizing for all of us to kind of get together and talk about these different things that we work on every day and sometimes feel a little siloed. And I, I love that, that things like um, this conference allow us to really expand on that and network with others that are doing similar things and we can learn from each other. Um, Sam and Becky, I'm wondering if you can talk to us a little bit about what your sessions are going to be at Plugin. This is Becky. So I am part of a career panel session and I am 
speaking alongside Karen Isbell and Shelley, Shelby Radcliffe, who are both um, legends, I think, in our field. Um, and so I'm, I'm very delighted and a little bit nervous to be in the same uh, room virtually with them. Um, but, you know, I think one of the, some of the topics that we'll be exploring um, are what are the opportunities as a prospect development professional that you might be thinking about or looking at as you think about your career progression. Um, and if, you, if you're interested in moving to, into campaigns, maybe what are some of the areas that you could consider learning a little bit more about in your current role? Um, so I'm, I'm really looking forward. I'll say, you know, for myself, certainly being in a, in a campaign role uh, gives you a broader institutional perspective, which was always a strength, I think, of prospect development. One of the things about that's wonderful about prospect development is you really kind of have this pipeline-wide view. Um, and so that was great training to, to come into a campaign, but even more extensively an institutional, I think, wide view that, that you develop is when you're working as part of a campaign has been um, it's been a great learning opportunity for me. So I'm really excited to um, share a little bit about my own experience, but also really looking forward to learning from Karen and Shelby as well. Uh, so this is Sam, and I'm going to be speaking again on the importance of innovation, intentionality, and risk, uh, specifically about virtual engagement as I've been discussing today, um, but really thinking a lot about um, if you are planning for a campaign, if you are thinking about closing a campaign, uh, knowing that we really don't know how long we're going to be in this virtual space, or actually recognizing that uh, we're probably never going to get fully out of it again, right? Like, I think one of the biggest learned lessons for us is that a lot of these things, again, we should have been doing all along. And so if we're fully virtual, if we're hybrid, what does that mean for the way that you celebrate uh, the campaign that you are starting or, or ending or in the middle of? Um, how do you continue to engage people throughout it and beyond it? Uh, and then uh, just giving you some examples of some of the ways that we've been doing that at Ohio State, uh, both through sort of processes and data. So uh, how are we being more intentional in the way that we're setting ourselves up before and after experiences? And then uh, what kinds of risks have we been taking with our audiences and how have those been panning out? Great. Looking forward to both of those. Stacey, why would you suggest someone sign up for Plug Into Campaigns? Why wouldn't I? I would promote everything. I feel like um, uh, almost a sense of, uh, I want to use my movie over voice of, in a world where there's so much content and noise coming at you, you don't know what to click on next. You need to click in to plug in. Basically, I know I'm being kind of funny, but I really mean that because there is so much amazing content here. And what I love about this conference in particular is that because it has been virtual even before the pandemic, this conference knows how to do virtual well. So the lineup of amazing speakers, the content that is done in easy to consume half hour sessions, you want to attend them live, but because you might have to make some choices about where to go when, everything is recorded. So you can also um, kind of be in two places at once, which is amazing in this busy world that we're in. And that virtual networking and just getting to like pick up on this theme. I've just started the conversation at, right now at the end of a long day, and I'm so excited by the passion and connection to get to talk to these other smart colleagues and thought leaders. And that's what you can get with the virtual networking at APRA and this specific conference. So I highly recommend everybody should attend. Thank you. And I think we all agree with that. Absolutely. 
All right. Well, thank you all for your time today. Uh, once again, I'd like to thank BlackBot for their continued support of APRA's educational programming. And before I close out, I want to remind you all to visit the events page at aprahome.org to learn more and register for Plug Into Campaigns. We hope you'll join us online November 5th and 6th. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Beyond Prospecting, the APRA podcast. To discover all that APRA has to offer, visit aprahome.org. For links to content featured in this episode, check out the show notes. If you like the show and want to help others find us, please subscribe to and rate us on iTunes. Until next time.